You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Thursday, February 25th, and today we're joined by Wes Euler of Steeler Nation Radio, iHeart Radio, and ESPN Pittsburgh. We're going to be talking about Ben Roethlisberger. We're going to dive deeper into that since we didn't do that as much yesterday. And, of course, we'll be talking about Kevin Colbert, what's going on with the salary cap now with that, with the announcement of Ben Roethlisberger, and Juju Smith-Schuster talk because he's been in the media as well. Lots of fun things to talk about on today's show, which you can always subscribe to on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio.com. Get there now, and don't forget to leave us a five-star rating with a positive comment, and you'll get a shout-out at the end of the show. Let's get into it. So, of course, we got my man Wes Euler on a Thursday coming on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Now, yesterday, again, I, I, I only got to talk about Ben Roethlisberger for but so little because I was on with DMP, IMPHO long before, not long before, uh, but before we had a chance to talk about the Ben Roethlisberger news that we know the Steelers are big, are now keen on bringing him back and how it's looking like it's going to work based off of the comment from Ryan Tone or his agent and everything. What I wanted to talk to Wes about is the debate that's going to be had from now until we see what happens with the end of next season is should the Steelers be working to keep Ben Roethlisberger. I think so. I think that if, if the only way that you make it work is if he's willing to help you with the salary cap. That is it. If he wasn't willing to do that, which he says he is, and he, he said he's willing to, he doesn't care about his, his salary. If that's for real, excuse me, Wes, if that's for real, I say, yes, make it happen. If it wasn't, then I'd be like, all right, bye. We, we, you know, we, 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 we've, we've done right by you for so long. We need you to do right by us in, in that regard. But Wes, yeah. it is real. And to me, that's all I needed to see for, for the decision of needing to bring him back, make the salary cap work, get as much money out of this year as you can so that you can get guys in free agency that can join this team and, and help them in some of their soft spots. Mr. Carter, pleasure to be back on the Locked On Steelers podcast with you. I would agree with everything you just said. I will add a caveat, though. Okay, what's up? Because I've been guilty of this, too. I think we all have in this town. Um, so much of the conversation, maybe 90% of the conversation around Ben has been salary cap ramifications. Yep. And can he still play? Yeah. There's a third angle to this. There's another topic that, man, if I was, if I could have been a, a fly on the wall, you know, while, while Art Rooney, the second and Ben Roethlisberger were having that meeting on Tuesday. And I guess it could have been done over zoom, but you get what I'm using with yeah, the expression I got you. fly on the wall. Yes, I'm sure salary cap was a big part of the conversation. Maybe there's some, hey, Ben, we know what you're worth, right? We know that we shouldn't be paying you what Mitch Trubisky and Teddy Bridgewater are making, right? right. You should be making more money than those guys. Can we meet in the middle somewhere with maybe some incentives and, and some things like that? That obviously, I'm sure, is, is the main driving point of the conversation. But the other thing, Chris, that I would love to know, and I would hope to think that they are discussing with Ben before Penn meets paper on this new deal. Uh, the, the second biggest consideration from that, I think should be the offense and Ben's willingness to go with the direction that the offense should be moving under Matt Canada. Now that's another meet in the middle conversation because Ben Roethlisberger is going to be 30 39 years old, just from a pure athleticism and just the point that he is in his career. 
he can't do completely probably what Matt Canada would want to do in terms of quarterback mobility and movement. But I think Ben and, 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 and Mr. Canada, O Canada, should be able to meet in the middle there. So I, I hope and I wonder, or maybe I should say I wonder and I hope that part of that conversation on Tuesday as well was Art Rooney saying, look, this can't be your offense anymore. There has to be more play action. There has to be more pre-snap movement and motion where the Steelers have been at the bottom of the barrel in the National Football League. You have to follow Matt Canada's lead. Yes, he will meet you somewhere in between, but it's Matt Canada's offense, not yours. It has to be moving more forward into the 21st century where the Steelers offense has needed to go for a long time. I, I wonder if that was a conversation. I hope that that was a conversation. And like I said, there have to be concessions from both parties at this stage in the game of number seven's career. I think that's fair. But I, I really hope that there was an adamant, this can't be the same offense as last year because we were way too predictable in the second half of the season, Ben. It can't be you checking out of every RPO and just throwing the ball. It can't be... Um, what we've seen is just clearly a desire to not do much play action and much pre-snap movement, particularly after the first few weeks of the season last year. I know that the salary cap conversation is and should be the driving factor here, but man, I, I hope the direction of the offense was a big part of that discussion as well. Yeah. I'm on the same page with you. I said that the, the night that they lost that playoff game, uh, you know, against the Browns, I said, this cannot be his they're offense. Too, they're too archaic on offense, man. Right. And and to me, when you had when you had AB and Lev Bell and just dudes, that was okay. But right, not so much now. And and even with when, when you had Le'Veon Bell, you could go to the running game. They could hand the ball off and they could keep the offense balanced. But when they didn't go and when they didn't keep Le'Veon Bell, and part of that was just because he had, he got he you know he went and got he wanted to get his guaranteed money. That was his that was his big move. Um, but when he did, when you, and you did, and you, you, tr- you tried with James Conner, you tried with Benny Snell, you drafted Anthony McFarland, you tried with all these later round picks. And, you know, now you're sitting here and you're saying, well, you need, a, you need a new offensive line and you need a new running back. Well, new pieces to the offensive line, not a whole new offensive line, but you, you need to reemphasize the run game. That's where you're sitting here and you're saying, you're saying, Ben, some of this is going to require you going under center. That was that was I you know when I was doing my spiel there when I was talking mm-hmm. about play action and pre-snap movement yes. and RPOs, I knew there was something I was forgetting. Yes, you got it, you gotta say to him, you're gonna have to line up under center more often. Yeah, and and and, and saying like listen, many and I, I said this before, it was fun to have him in the driver's seat with the keys and calling the shots, but now he's gotta be a cog in the machine that makes yes. the offense go. It's and, too predictable when they do it that way now because because he's 39 years old, because he yeah. has his limitations. And then when you combine his limitations with a Swiss cheese offensive line and no run game, that's what you get the last, you know, five, six games of the season. Agreed. And that's where that's where they got predictable. And again, when and uh, you know, I've, I've said this for weeks. When in the first six, seven games, they were averaging like 130 yards on the ground. That's when the offense was at its peak. That's when you didn't know where they were going. And we talked about it on your show on ESPN Pittsburgh and how every week there was a new leading receiver because teams were like, we can't lock on to who he's targeting. Mike Tomlin said it right in a postgame presser. Mike Tomlin said, we can give it to teams however they want it. You want it on the ground. You want Juju. You want Chase Claypool. You want Deontay Johnson. You want Eric Ebron. You want James Washington. Mm -hmm. It worked for a long time. And then for whatever reason, there was a pivot away from that. And, and I think we can all agree. Yeah. They became entirely too predictable down the stretch. Right. And I, I think a lot of this is because the Steelers, especially in the last decade, 
they've given a lot of credence to what Ben wants. And as most franchises do with their quarterback, they're like, listen, what do you want? And, and and that's the thing is that like, I I see a lot of people say, Oh, well, they, they, they've done right by Ben by in so many ways, they've given him all the money he wants. They've given him a superstar running back, Mm -hmm. a superstar wide receiver, the best wide receiver in football for six years. Look at, yeah. Look at how many, how many high pedigree draft picks they use on receivers and Mm -hmm. running backs and offensive linemen. Yep. And he handpicked almost all of his own offensive coordinators and quarterback yep. coaches. And, and we don't need to talk about the off the field stuff. Everybody knows what that was early mm-hmm. in his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris, that was the, that was kind of the, the crux of my show on, on nine seventy ESPN on Monday was that because we hadn't heard all this new stuff, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday, right. Was that if the Steelers end up cutting Ben, nobody can say that they did not do right by, they have done right by Ben Roethlisberger for 17 years, Yep, 17 years. And like you said, that's the way you do it when you have a hall of fame franchise quarterback, but maybe now at the end of this road, you know, as Ben is on the 17th or 18th green of his career and not on the front nine anymore, it's time I think for Ben to, to return the favor in that regard. They have done right by him for 17 years. He can do right by them here in the last year. I agree entirely. We're going to take a quick break. We come back more talk about what the impact of this is moving forward for the Steelers. There's money talk. There's building talk, what the Steelers can do. But first, we're going to tell you about our friends at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d locked on in their how did you hear about us section so that they can know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com today Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Wes Euler of iHeartRadio, ESPN Pittsburgh, Steeler Nation Radio. All the radios is Wes Euler. The lengthy um, resume. It is a lengthy resume. He, he, this man this man is all over the world. But Wes, continuing to talk about the Steelers offense and the direction it needs to go in, you talked about getting under center, running the ball more. To me, it's going to require an emphasis in – getting certain guys and also changing certain attitudes. And hmm. to me, Wes, it's, you know, we saw, we saw how passive the Steelers offensive line was last year. And part of that was by design because they wanted to focus on keeping Ben healthy. And there still needs to be a focus on keeping Ben healthy, but Adrian Clem, one thing that you, you want to see from him and what he can do as the Steelers new offensive line coach to me, they have to get people off the ball and yes. I want to know from you what kind of commitment in this offseason should they get to put to get a a new center, hmm. a new offensive tackle, a new running back. Where do you put the priority of those positions? Because to me, they absolutely need a new center, and they well, they need absolutely all three of those. But I, I think that they could get they could a either sign. Corey Lindsley is, is the dream thing of, of, of free agency. I don't think that can actually happen, <laughs> but 
if they draft a center, they can get one in the second or third round, I think would be more than adequate and fill it and fill the job nicely. But the question that I have is where do you, where do you prioritize as far as how you build? Cause when you go into this free agency, you're, sure. you're talking about if Ben saves you money, Ben's got to save you good money. And then you got to start plotting where you, you know, where, wh- who you actually bring back into the fold and then sure. go and bring into the fold the, uh, of the free agency market. Chris, for a guy who weighs like 155 pounds soaking wet, <laughs> I put a lot of emphasis in the trenches, man. I think that's why I've always gotten along so well with Punch and Wolf. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I Don't get me wrong. If, if pick 24 rolls around and the Steelers stand pat there and there's Najee Harris, or there's Travis Etienne available on the board, I'm sure I'm going to be jumping up and down. Oh, you got to get that guy. You got to get that guy. <laughs> But as I prioritize it right now, the, the, the trenches come first to me. And to be fair, offensive line and running back, those are, I think, two of the best positions that you can find outside of the first round. But I'd still like to see them prioritize second round and third round, not fifth and sixth round, right? right. One thing that I think we've learned, Chris, and I don't know, maybe I'm being too reactionary to just the last year, two years, three years, but but the offensive line is such a crucial component of a great running back. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Lev Bell when he went from Pittsburgh to New York. Look at Saquon Barkley, who, hey, you're a Pitt Panther. I'm a WVU Mountaineer. We got no love for Penn State or Penn Staters. <laughs> but, but we can all agree how ridiculously insane that dude is. But he hasn't done much in New York. Look at, look at Leonard Fournette and how different he was going from Jacksonville to Tampa Bay from behind one of the worst offensive lines in football to one of the best. I just... To me, that offensive line is the priority this offseason. You, it's honestly, it's amazing that the Steelers won 12 games with the limitations, really 12 games in 16 weeks. You know, I mean, they were really 12 and three if you take out that last week with the limitations that they had on the offensive line. I think that speaks a lot to the defense, speaks a lot to what Ben was able to do, I think, before they became too predictable. And obviously just the, the litany of playmakers that they did have on the offense, particularly on the perimeter last year. But Chris, I'm, I'm prioritizing the offensive line. I am. I know it's never this cut and dry, right? I think particularly with the Steelers because they are an organization that loves best player available. And <laughs> I think we could all see them taking an edge rusher at 24 still if oh, there's geez. a guy that, you know, if there's a guy that falls there that they absolutely love. But if, if, I could, if I could boil it down, if I could reduce, distill it down to just be simple, at pick 24, I'm taking the best offensive lineman available. And then in the second and third round, I'm going with another offensive lineman or a running back somewhere. You know, I'm probably going running back second round and then offensive line again, third round. I know that that's not how it's going to work. I know that the Steelers are definitely going to draft an edge rusher somewhere there in the first three rounds because that's just what they do. And again, I could be, I'm admitting that I could be, it could be recency bias, but I've seen what's happened to guys like Saquon Barkley. I've saw what Leonard Fournette Bell, you've seen it with Christian McCaffrey too, an incredibly talented guy with the up and down nature of the offensive line there for the Steelers. Yes, a stud number one franchise running back would certainly cure a lot of woes. So we've certainly seen plenty of running backs that that can have success without the best offensive lines, but I think, and again, I, it could be recency bias, but I feel like you see it with a guy like Alvin Kamara as well mm. too, right? Like he's mm. fantastic. And the Saints offensive line is pretty dang good. That's when the magic happens. It was like, you know, like Zeke Elliott's first couple years in the league. He was incredibly talented and you had the offensive line. Right. I think I would start to lay the groundwork for the O-line. I think that the running back position has been so devalued, right? Chris, you and I both Nick Chubb was a second round pick. DeAndre Swift was a second round pick. Jonathan Taylor was a second. Derek Derek Henry. Henry. 
was a second round pick. I mm-hmm. think you can get really good run. I think the second round, J.K. Dobbins, I think the second round is the sweet spot to find good running backs. So I know it's never this simple. It's never this cut and dry. But if I could distill it all down, Chris, I would go best offensive lineman available at pick 24. I'd go the running back that I like the most in the second round. And then I'd consider even going back to the offensive line again in the third round. I don't think that's how they're going to do it because they are the Pittsburgh Steelers and they will draft an edge rusher or a defensive (laughs) back or a linebacker, a defensive lineman in the first three rounds. That's just the way we do things in the black and gold, baby. But yeah, I think I would really start to prioritize finding those next you know, David DeCastro's and Marquise Pounceys and the guys that you know are going to be part of your offensive line for the next decade because I think there's there's real value always to be found with running backs in the second round. Well, another thing I, I think that's important to look at this too, Wes, and I've said this before on the show, so people who've been listening all week, they know where I'm about to go with this, but with, with offensive line, you still need to draft the guy who's worth the first round pick because yes. – Here's my issue with that. One, at the center, because like, a center and offensive tackle are the two clear needs. But to me, there is no center in this draft that's worth the 24th overall pick of this Agreed. draft. Agreed. Offensive tackle, I'd say there are five guys. There are five guys who legit are worth that pick and in, in where it is. The problem is, Wes, there are about 14 NFL teams that need mm-hmm. offensive tackles out of the first round. You're right. You're absolutely right with that. And – we know Panay Sewell, gone. Don't even yes. think about him. He's 100% top five. Gone. Right. Christian Derrissaw, gone. Maybe yep. top 10, you know, if you're lucky, top 12. Um, Rashawn Slater is where I start yeah, to get the, reasonable. The Northwestern guy? Yeah, the Northwestern kid. Yeah. Um, and I say kid when these guys would, like, smush me with a single finger. Um, but uh, but Rashawn Slater is where you start to get in the range. Okay, he'll probably make it to 15, 16, maybe. And then the guys who I think are re- realistic that they will fall to, to the Steelers in some way are potentially Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan yep, or Dylan Reddins out of North Dakota State. But here's my issue, Wes, is if all five of those guys are gone by 24, mm. that does not mean that they should go and get no. a Samuel Cosme out of Texas because to me, he's still he's a second-round guy. Yes. Uh, you know, a Jackson Carmen, uh, Liam Eschenberg, and, uh, you know, even Alex Leatherwood, who I was higher on during the college football season. And then when I got to step back and look at more of his tape, I'm like, okay, not so much. Um, but no, I, I, I completely agree with you on that. And, I do. Yeah, offensive line is, other than quarterbacks, right? Because obviously quarterbacks are number one. But right. offensive line is the number two thing that teams reach for and fail. Miss. Dude, look at the last decade of the Houston Texans. It's like, it's like all Chris, that's all they do every spring is they reach for an offensive lineman because they've desperately needed them. Seattle Seahawks do the same thing. Yep. They've needed offensive linemen for a decade now. So all they do is reach for those guys. You're absolutely right. That's not how you do it. And I, I'm confident that the Steelers won't Chris, because like we've said, they are a BPA. They are a best player available organization. And if that happens, if there's the run on tackles, I think they're going to have some really juicy options at 24 because you know why too. There's going to be four, maybe five quarterbacks taken before the Steelers pick. Right. That's good for them. Yes. They're, there's, they're not taking one. There's going to be Chris four, maybe five wide receivers drafted before the Steelers pick. Probably. 
that's good news for the black and gold because they ain't taking one in the first round. That's what Steelers fans, Steelers fans should be rooting for all five of those quarterbacks, Lawrence, mm-hmm. Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, to all be going in the first round before pick 24. They should be rooting for Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith, all those wide receivers to be selected. Yep. If there's nine or 10 quarterbacks and wide receivers taken before pick 24, Man, the Steelers are going to have some real options there at tackle, at running back, um, probably at edge rusher and defensive line, too, if they wanted to go that way. That is what I think the Steelers fans should hope for. But but I am with you 100%. Just because I would prioritize, you know, I'm saying in theory I would take the best offensive lineman available at pick 24. Right. If there's no top 25, top 30 talent available there yeah obviously you don't reach for that because then again you're gonna be the houston texans you're gonna be seattle it's gonna be five years from now and you're still gonna be trying to rebuild the offensive line if that happens go for best player available at 24 but again chris i i certainly think that that's possible because you're right um other than quarterback again tackle is probably the position that teams in the nfl need the most there are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks there's a lot of teams that need tackles so there could be a run on those guys, but I think it could work the opposite way too. I think it's it's such a sexy quarterback and wide receiver year. True. I think there's a real premium on the top two or three corners as well too. It feels like there's the real step. It wasn't like last year where there was, um, you know, there was obviously Jeff Okuda who was the top five pick, but there were, what, CJ Henderson was a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. I think there's a big gap this year between the cornerbacks, you know, the top two or three guys and everybody else more so than in years past. That's another position in the modern era that teams reach for a lot is corner. So if there's a few, if there's three corners drafted, five quarterbacks and four wide receivers, I think the Steelers could look up and, and have a lot of, of juicy, juicy options at pick 24. You're right. Okay. Let, let's, let's, let's break that down by position. Quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, all of them gone Gone. by top 15 in my book. Gone. Yep. Now, to your point, there might be a team that goes and gets a Mac Jones before the Steelers pick. I don't know if someone will do that. I I think that because in my book, he's he's more of a second round quarterback guy. But we have seen teams get desperate at quarterback um, and and, and go there. So that's that's very possible. at wide receiver, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Gone. Chase, Devontae Gone. Smith, Gone. Um, Terrace Marshall, I'd Gone. say are your guys that are, that to me, they're obviously gone. You start, but when you get to the Rashad Bateman and the Kadarius Tony territory, yes. that's where it's questionable. That that's where it's questionable. But say, but, but I for think sure, four, I think four is a take it to the bank lock. Right, four four for each. So that's eight players off the board. So that's literally a third of the picks before the Steelers pick. Out of the guys that they would never even consider taking in the first place. Exactly. Well, I mean, if Trevor Lawrence was there at pick twenty-four, still, I'd hope they take him. <laughs> but, but you get my point, right? And then you could add Kyle Pitts into that conversation because he's he's yeah, probably going to go really high call. as a tight end. So they're not taking him. They're not taking him. So that that that's nine guys off the board. Um, you could add Caleb Farley to that conversation at cornerback. I think you can also add Patrick Sertan. So now you're talking about that's eleven dudes <laughs> who you don't got to worry about about being in the conversation now. Um, and then when you add Penny Sewell, Christian's yeah. Christian Darisaw, and probably Micah Parsons, Michael Parsons. Yeah. Now, and that's one thing I've seen people start to fall back on Michael Parsons. Cause he yeah, didn't I've seen play mock to the Steelers a couple of times. Yeah. I'm if, if, if people have done that, if he, if he falls to 24, run Take to him. the podium and get him. Take him. <laughs> yes. I don't, I, all, all the things we just said about running back and offensive, I do not care anymore. Yeah. You go get that guy. You put him next to Devin Bush it, and you're de- No one's running on you. No one's throwing down the middle. Your defense is set. It, 
And again, this is a Pitt Panther and a WVU Mountaineer speaking nicely about this guy. You know, when we're saying these nice things about Nittany Lions, we really mean it. I mean, that, that, is, that is the real deal there. And that's where, but again, that's what we're saying is something crazy could fall or someone crazy could fall to them because all these other needs are there. And there's, and then there's still the teams that sometimes reach for things, you know, like uh, a couple of years, when Devin Bush got drafted, um, I forget Cleveland Farrell was the guy that got picked in the, in the top 10 where fourth, right what, out of Clemson fourth, the fourth. Uh, and we were all like, what Cleveland Farrell and John Gruden. We're right. The good old, good old Raiders and John Gruden doing his thing. There could still be an edge rusher that flies off this board for no reason, super early, you know, whether it's Joseph Asai or, you yeah. know, or one of those guys um, that, 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 that goes early. And again, that could, that could impact your board enough. And, and again, so like, let's say in that situation, those five offensive linemen are off the, or those five offensive tackles are off the board. You're and say you're left with having to choose between um, Travis Etienne and Najee Harris or, you know, at the linebacker position, you're saying you're looking at a Micah Parsons, um, you know, as, as an option. Um, you're still in a position where you're saying, hey, we can get a really do- good dude here that can help us rather quickly, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, on our on our roster. So I- I'm with you. To me, it, B- BPA is real. I don't care what anybody else says. Oh. It, and, and it's something that someone gave immediately. I forget who, who which which reporter it was. But right after the Super Bowl. Someone pointed out how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did that for years. When Vita Vey was on the board and they didn't necessarily need a defensive tackle, they went and got him and look what he was doing them for the Super Bowl. They said, you know, they had Levante David. They still went and got a Devin White. You know, they they went and they took the best players that were on the board and it lined themselves up so that when they could make the free agency moves, they could get Tom Brady. They could get Antonio Brown. They could get Rob Gronkowski and Leonard Fournette and then fill in on the roster that they had all this talent that they had amassed on. And that's what BPA does for you. Chris, you know, who's a great example of that. And I've, I've been, I've been told this on good authority one night out in Latrobe at training camp by okay. a, by a high ranking member in the Steelers organization. Wes has got a source. In 2011, when the Steelers picked 31st overall, they had absolutely no intentions of selecting Cam Hayward. They, mm-hmm. they, they thought he was going to be a top 20 pick. They thought there was no chance he was going to be there. They had him ranked 16th on their own personal big board. They had him as the 16th best player in the draft. They thought there's no chance we're going to get this guy at 31. Um, I'm trying to remember. Like, I think Kyle Rudolph was one of the names that was kicked around that year. Um, I think maybe Jabal Sheard, who was a pit guy, yeah, they were yeah. thinking about. Um, Jarvis Jenkins, I think, was another one. Mm-hmm. They were looking at all these guys because they thought that that was what was going to be there at pick 31. Um, And the guy that they had 16th on their big board that they never thought would be available there, Cam Hayward, was still there, and they rushed to the podium to take him. That was a true BPA uh, uh, scenario, right? I mean, they they still had Brett Kiesel. I believe they still had Aaron Smith at the time. It was Mm -hmm. was not a priority position. But when something like that happens, when a guy you think is that good falls to you, you know – if they had him at 16 on their big board, that's 15 spots below where they had him ranked. That's good business to go and take that guy, even if it's not the most pressing position of need, because 10, 11 years later, when that guy's still productive, yep. nobody cares. Nobody cares. And, 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 and on top of that, they had just recently, two years before that, drafted Ziggy Hood in the first round. Correct. That's the other reason why, too. They just, you know, like they I think they were looking, like I said, like Jenkins, the tackle, you know, mm-hmm. maybe Rudolph, uh, Rudolph, the tight end. I'm sure there were some other names in there. But yeah, when you go BPA, more often than not, it, it works out in your favor. It, it, it works out. Don't force yourself in certain situations. And I think, I think David, 
David DeCastro was that same situation. Mm-hmm. They didn't think that he would fall to them. Uh, and because they were so like uh, the, the rumor that uh, that's been out there is that Keith Butler, when he was a linebackers coach, he quote unquote pounded the table to get Dante Hightower because that was the guy who they thought would fall to him. And he did, but they were like, eh, but David DeCastro's here. We and- got him rated as the best guard in the draft and we can get him here at pick 24. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. that's where, that's where I, that's where I'm at still. Yes. Take the best offensive lineman. If, if he's there and in your, in, in your scope, if but it plays out that way, yeah. if it plays out that way, but keep an open mind and, and, and who knows, there might be a run at running backs. So two teams might jump on Etienne and Harris and no you're doubt. not looking at that position either, but whatever position you start to see flying off the board, that's when you start looking at other positions and say, okay, because wherever someone's taking players, there's another area that's being left alone. And 24 this year is a decent spot to see where some position is going to get left alone. And I think with the needs the Steelers have, they're going to get a good shot to get a position that could help them right now. We're going to take another break here. When we come back, there's some news that's been that, that's been that's been going around. I wanted to talk about it. It's with Juju and where the Steelers go from here. I've been saying for a while, I don't think he's coming back, but there's some more things I wanted to talk to about West with that. But first, we got to talk to our friends at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag, the only place that we trust here in the Lockdown Podcast Network to place bets on. Even though football season's over, there's a ton of different ways to make money by gambling on sports right now. If you go to betonline.ag today and sign up for your free account, you'll get a 50% bonus to your first deposit simply by entering the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters and all one word, and that will get you your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Right now, sure, the NFL's done, but you can put money down on where certain free agents might be going in the NFL. You can also bet on college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL. All different ways to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. BetOnline.ag. Remember, use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters, all one words, to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Wes Mueller of iHeartRadio, ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio, all the radios. Now, Wes, um, it's been it's been st- talked about since really last year. Should the Steelers bring back Juju Smith-Schuster and whether or not, you know, he he's important, he's, he's important enough to the team. You know, they had three guys drafted behind him, all, you know, all, all those all those different things. Now, um, it came out because uh, Juju Smith-Schuster went on the Yin's Hers podcast, which is a great podcast. I suggest y'all subscribe to it. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's newly started, and they're getting great guests lined up for you there. So, and I always spread the love when it comes to Steelers shows. It's not you yeah. don't have to. The reason you got, you have to listen to one and only one. There's a lot of great content out there, um, and and they they certainly have hit you know hit it off hit it off hit it off with a home run. Um, but one thing that they talk about Juju wants to be in Pittsburgh. He doesn't want to leave, but he also does have to consider money and everything else that's lined up for him. And Wes, I, I, I think I get There is a sense to me. It's like, yeah, like 
in, in every, if everything else worked out, I, I would personally, like if it was my season, I, I had all the money in the world and I'm the Steelers, I'd want Juju back because he's tough. Yes. He catches balls over the middle. He dives into piles and gets fumbles, you know, loose balls for you. The he, best chemistry with Ben of any of the receivers on the roster. Exactly. And I think he's been misused the last year or two, but, you know, but that's not his fault. And I'd say I want that. But this team's got some serious priorities in other positions, and they've invested so much in the receiver position. It's kind of like I, it hurts to say it if, you know, because because you've gr- I've grown to I've grown to appreciate how he plays. But you, it makes it hard for me to say that he they can afford for him to be back right now. I agree. Chris, Chris, I told you before we started recording that I had a take on Juju. You ready for this? Let's do it. And I, I should preface this first because I know I've been on, on Locked On here a few times, but I think there's probably a lot of people listening who aren't overly familiar with me. I have never been a Juju fanboy. I have never been a Juju hater. I evaluate him as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like my athletes who aren't, you know, cookie cutters. I like guys who have personality. Right. I I was not one of those who was crushing him for all the TikTok stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people who thinks that he's not focused and football can't be a priority and all that. Okay. I love Mark Madden, who's my colleague, who I see all the time in the building. Mm-hmm. I'm not like Mark when it comes to my assessments of, of Juju Smith-Schuster. I do have this take, though. Man, Chris, and you could disagree. I don't know. It really seems like these though that he's been going out of his way to tell everybody how much he wants to stay in Pittsburgh. Yeah, is that fair to say? Yes. He's been he's going on the Yinsers podcast. You and I both know on his Instagram account in the last couple of weeks of the season, and he posts pictures of the Pittsburgh skyline all this yeah. time and says, I want to keep this place home. I want to stay here. Um, he, you know, TMZ cameraman following him around earlier in the week somewhere in LA in Southern California. Um, you know, and he says, I want to be a stealer for life. I want to be, I want my legacy to be in Pittsburgh. He tells that to TMZ. I think that Juju knows that that's just not going to happen because the Steelers don't have the money, mm-hmm. you know, he, and rightfully so he should, he's an athlete. They should maximize every opportunity they have to make a dollar yep. because their careers are so short. And Juju could go out there next year on a Sunday and have it all end in one play. We saw that happen with one of our most beloved linebackers here in this town, not too yep. long ago. Yep. I will never fault an athlete for trying to maximize their earning potential. But I think And again, I'm not one of these who thinks Juju is this locker room cancer, this mastermind bad guy. But I truly think that he knows the Steelers can only offer him 10, 11, maybe 12 million. Right, right. At most like 11, 11 and a half million dollars a year. I think he also knows that on the open market, he's going to be able to get 14, 15, 16 million dollars a year. I think Juju has come to the realization, unfortunately, that it's not going to happen in Pittsburgh. And this is where I start to spin the wheels of my conspiracies. When I see him posting on Instagram all the time about how much he loves it here and how he wants to stay. When he's going on podcasts in the city and and telling everybody how much he loves it here and he wants to stay. When he's telling TMZ, I want to be a Steeler for life. I want my legacy to be in Pittsburgh. A little part of me thinks, Chris, that he's positioning himself to quote unquote, make the Steelers look like the bad guy because he knows that all they can offer him is going to be way less than he's worth. So he wants to make sure people know that if the money was right, he would love to stay in Pittsburgh when inevitably that doesn't happen. 
Like, I, I don't think he wants to look like the bad guy. Maybe even just saying he's trying to make the Steelers look like the bad guy. I'm, I'm probably taking it too far there. But I think he's making a concerted effort to make it so that he's not the bad guy. I really think he's trying to control that narrative. Which, again, I don't, I don't hate him for that. I'm not knocking him for that. Plenty of athletes do that. Tom Brady tried to control the narrative his whole last year in, 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 New, in New England with an organization that he won six Super Bowls with, with a head coach and an owner that he won six Super Bowls with, went to nine of them things, Super Bowls. He tried to control the narrative. Tom Brady did when he knew it was his last year. So I, I get it. Everybody does it. I just, Chris, the more and more I hear him post and talk about how much he loves Pittsburgh and how much he wants to be here. I think it's because he knows that that realistically isn't going to happen. And he just doesn't want to be seen as the guy who, maybe this is the best way to put it. He doesn't want to see be seen as the guy who's just chasing the money because if the money was right in Pittsburgh, he would stay, but that like we both think inevitably just isn't going to be the case. That's right. my take. No, no, I, I, I get the, I, I think it's a reasonable take. I think it's very reasonable that because Juju, it's obvious. He thinks on a branding scale. He does. He realize, yeah. and, and it's, and heck he's winning on that respect. The man was in a Super Bowl commercial on a shark that ate Sam L, which I still don't understand the point of the commercial. Me either, but, but he was in it, but he was in it. And, and, it, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and he's, he's, he's all over the place with his brands. He's getting, he's getting more ads. He's getting more views and he does. And he seems like a wholesome character. He's not like Antonio Brown where he has all these problems running around and Correct. people are like, I'm watching this because it's a reality show. Um, you know, that's, that's not what Juju's life is living. But, and so he's been very smart with his branding and he knows that he has a base here in Pittsburgh. And then if he maintains a good relationship with that base, that's more money than he, where if he goes to New York, if he goes to, you know, LA, if he goes to Chicago, if he goes to Indy, wherever he goes, if he keeps Steeler Nation, because he also knows Steeler Nation travels well, he can keep that money, go, or the, or the views, the, the, the support there. And Chris Carter, I, I believe they call that Yahtzee. Exactly. That's what you're no, you, you just, you just absolutely, I hadn't even thought about that angle, but you just absolutely nailed it. Yahtzee on that one. Yeah. It's, it's just, it makes the most sense for him to don't alienate this fan base that loves you. And right. I don't, and that's the thing I, I, I work with Mark two on the final word, but I've told him several times, I disagree with his takes on Juju. I think like, you know, after the playoff loss, he was talking about culture and he was talking about this and he, and he refused to talk about Ben's four interceptions and Marquise Brownsey snapping the ball over his head. And I sat here saying this Juju was not the fault for these losses. Even when he was doing the TikTok dances and teams were saying that they were you know, focusing on him. Corvette, Corvette. Right. But the, again, I still say to this day, that should have been the moment where like when Joey Porter told the Colts that you're soft and they came out to try and stop the run. And what did the Steelers do? They threw over their heads. When teams were focusing on Juju, throw over him and get use him as a decoy. And that was something that I think they set up on the plays because there were times when Claypool was wide open down the field and Ben just wasn't hitting him. And that to me is more of what happened this, back in the season. So I don't, I don't blame Juju for that. And I agree. I agree that certainly right now he is positioning himself. And, and here's the thing, Wes, he could be positioning himself to, to look this way and being genuine about it. Because yes. th right. this is the city that when his bike was stolen as a rookie, the whole city was like, where's Juju's bike? What? Who stole? How could you oh. steal Juju's? I mean, he, Dude, I'm he, sure he is, he is loved being a Pittsburgh Steeler. How could you not? I mean, like TJ like Watt always says, it's what, you know, all great leaders have a great line. Like TJ Watt always says in the huddle, where else would you rather be than playing football for the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, it's true. It's right like there. you just said, every stadium they go to, he's getting, I mean, it's, it's Steelers nation. Like mm -hmm. it's the Steelers and the Cowboys on that level. Those two franchises stand alone. 
I think he's loved that love and that adoration and being a part of this for the last four years. And I think everybody too, like the team that brings you in, you know what I mean? The team that takes a chance on you and drafts you, you'll always have a spot for them. And certainly for the fan base that's loved Juju as much. And that's why too, like when I said it earlier, when I said to, to make the Steelers look like the bad guy, that's that, that was, that was probably too. Like, I just think that he wants to keep that relationship. He wants it to be warm and fuzzy with Steelers nation. Yeah. Um, I think he probably knows that it's inevitable that he's going to end up signing somewhere else unless he takes off just a flipping massive discount, which I would not advise him to do. Go get your money, young man. Yeah, go, go, go get paid. And- I, I think he wants that, that still that, that love and adulation to be there. And you know what? Maybe he's seen how Antonio Brown left. He's mm-hmm. seen how Lev Bell left mm-hmm. going back. He saw how Debo, how James Harrison mm-hmm. left, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he's seen all that. And he kind of sees the, I think the persona now with Ben Roethlisberger that the Steelers have put the ball in his court and it's yeah. Ben's decision to make with the money. I think Juju probably sees all that and thinks like, yeah, it sucks that inevitably I'm probably going to be gone, but I at least want the, you know, I want the red carpet treatment whenever I come back to town. Right. And, and that's where I think he's thinking of. And, and like you said, I don't, I agree. I, I would not go the route of he's trying to make the Steelers the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was too much when I said that he just doesn't want anybody to think that he's the bad guy. Fine. Right. And, and that's fine because, because it, it, like you said, it's, it's not bad for him to want money. And, but, and that's the problem. I think in professional sports is too many times when a guy says, I want this and I want that you're selfish. You, you want it. You, you want, you want you all, you're all about the money. Yes. I'm all about the money when I'm getting a concussion every week because I'm throwing Chris. my body on the line for your entertainment. Yes. I want the money. Oh, show me the money. Show me the money. Hey, that's a segment every Friday on no, my show on ESPN Pittsburgh, where I give my favorite gambling <laughs> picks of the week. There you go. Um, Chris, I, I love where I work. Yep. I, I love my co I'm in the building. I'm in the building with Dale Lawley and Matt Williamson and Adam Crowley and Brian LaMartina and Tom Opperman. I bump shoulders all the time. I'm in the same studios in the same hallways chatting with guys like Stan Saverin and Mark Madden and Randy yeah. Bauman and Tunch and Wolf that I grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. Like, I love, I have a pinch me moment at work almost every single, I've been here for three years, but I still have a pinch me moment at work almost every single week. I love it. I love my coworkers. I love my job. I'm working in the building of all the, with all the people, Mike Pursuta, all these people that I grew up listening to that I'm friends and coworkers with now. But you don't think if somebody else in town offered me $400,000, five, you know, whatever the equivalent is to like the difference between 11 million and 15 and six, you know, if just somebody didn't offer me a $50,000, $100,000 raise, like I wouldn't pack up and leave in an instant. You kidding me? I'm out of here. Yeah. I, I, as much as I like my job at DK, I'm sorry. If, the, if someone came and call him for, you know, Chris, we're paying the you NFL network calls you. The I'm NFL network calls you tomorrow, Chris, and says, we love your work. We want you to be our Steelers analyst. We'll pay you 100K a year. You're like, all right, see you. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Give me that bread real quick. But no, no, I agree. And then that's that's where people have to be realistic, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a plumber, whether you're an accountant, whether you're you know a lab yeah. technician, you would take a job that paid you more money, you know, unless it's, there's something extreme, like you're taking care of family or something like that. Like, you know, there's, there's always that aspect into it for some people, but for, by and large, unless there's an extreme circumstance, you take the job that pays you more money. And that's where I think that athletes have had to unnecessarily, uh, not well, unfortunately I put defend themselves because they, they get attacked for that. And, um, and that's and that's I think that's a shame when it comes to our sports conversations. And because of that, I think Juju is smart enough to know that he has to get in front of that. And that's why he's been saying these things. And I don't think it, it's to make anyone a villain. 
I don't think it's to make himself a villain. I think because, you know, I've, I've seen the take out there like, oh, he's only doing this, you know, because he already knows that he's going to be gone. And yeah, maybe he does. Maybe he looks at the salary cap like I do and then says, you know what? They don't got a lot of bread right now. And they done drafted three receivers. Being realistic. The, yeah. Right. In the, in the three years that followed him, either a receiver was taken in the second round or the very early part of the third round. And to me, that says, they don't need to pay a receiver big money right now. And they need to go get fix the offensive line and they need to get a running back and they have all these needs. And I, my position is not high up there. So reasonably so he could say, it's probably going to work. And all he can say is I'd love to be here, but I know there's other factors involved. And he's not going to say that he won't be here because you never know. Maybe someone will just be like, maybe the Steelers, Hey, we're paying, we're paying you 12 million a year. Come on back, Juju. We'll make it work. And we'll, maybe we'll flex our cap a little bit. So this year, don't take a big hit. And next year you are the hit. And you know, maybe there's something along those lines. And again, I think it would be great for the Steelers if they could find a way to make it work without sacrificing another position. Because again, to of all the moments in Juju's career, he's had great touchdowns. He's had some huge plays. This man, ended Vontez perfect we didn't hear from Vontez that man took out Antonio Brown Le'Veon Bell and Ben Roethlisberger all in the same season and in Juju's rookie year this man took him out and 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 stood over him and after that Vontez perfect never messed with the Steelers again and if Juju did nothing else he stood up for his team on that day and he wasn't even around when Vontez was doing all that other stuff so like, if nothing else, you see what that dude brings to the table, the heart that he brings, the fight that he brings, even when he – and you never see him be me, 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 all me, me, me on the field. Yeah, I'm not getting the ball. I'm mad. Ooh, I'm not going to fight hard. You see him blocking 80 yards downfield when James Washington's catching the ball and running. That's the effort that you want in a guy. And that's, that's what I'm saying. He deserves to get paid because he is that kind of a guy. It's just the unfortunate situation where – it's what we call Sorry, cat cap league, man. Yes. Yeah. Everybody everybody knows this, right? You. NBA, NFL, NHL, salary cap leagues, man. It, it's unfortunate, but it's you, you've got to make tough decisions in that regard. A lot of guys would love to say, you don't think Alan Fanica would have loved to be a Steeler for life, but he just he could earn more money on the open market, and the Steelers thought he was you know kind of a depreciating asset at that point, and it wasn't worth playing ball. Now, obviously, this is different. Juju's still very young, even for a guy who's exiting his rookie contract. He's still incredibly so young when he was drafted, like 20 yeah. years old when he was drafted, right? He couldn't drink until like the mid middle part of his rookie year. Right. Sometimes in situations like this, Chris, I think this is maybe the the best way to, I don't know. My final thought on this. There you go. There there doesn't have to be a bad guy in situations like this. Mm -hmm. Like the Steelers, it is what it is in terms of what they can afford from a business model, from a, from a roster construction model. And for Juju, it is what it is that his value is worth more than that on the open market. Like there doesn't have to be a bad guy in all this. I agree entirely. There, there doesn't have to be. I don't think that there really is a bad guy in the in their contract dispute. You know, a bad guy is a person like Antonio Brown who puts other people in danger, who lies, who 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 says things, and who who you know harasses. Like Richie people. Incognito. Richie Incognito. That that is a, That is a bad person. That is a that is a villain in that in, in that situation. And and sometimes a villain also has a lot of mental issues that maybe they they also have a reason why they're like that. But it still make you. You're still a, the Joker's still a vision, even though he's a, a villain. He's still the Joker's still a vision. A villain. I keep saying vision whenever I want to say villain, uh, but he's still a villain, regardless of his issues. That's where. That's why I was. That's why I was saying. Speaking of the so speaking of the Joker, last one for you here. Do you think that maybe this is just going to work? Like Art Rooney's going to walk into a room and it's going to be Juju, Bud Dupree. Mike Hilton, Cam Sutton, and he's just going to snap a pull stick over his legs and say, (laughs) 
<laughs> we're gonna have tryouts. <laughs> Wait, but who would win in that fight? Because I feel like Bud would just crush everybody. <laughs> I do too, but he might still be a little hobbled. That's an That's advantage for the hobbled. others. Yeah, Bud's still recovering, like because like, like He's Bud still in I've, recovery. I've seen I've seen Bud like do fight training, so that's why I think that he could. But Juju's pretty tough, man. That, that would be an interesting situation. I, I thought just, you were I even more were, than who wins that fight. I just like to see Art Rooney the second break a pool stick over his leg and say <laughs> we're gonna have trials. Gosh, that would be the most insane thing ever. I thought you were gonna say I'm gonna make this pencil disappear. Ta-da! And I was just like, you know, something along those lines. But that would be even crazy. But anyways. Point well, two. hey, and last, last, last Joker Batman reference All for right. Juju. If you're good at something, never do it for free. For free. Bang! That's a great way to end the show right there, my man, Wes. If you're good at something, never do it for free. And that's Juju's really good at something. Wes Euler, he's doing dances behind the microphone right now. You can't see him because you're on a podcast. <laughs> but uh, but he, he, that's a great way to end the show. Wes. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Great, great, great stuff there with your hot take there on Juju. I uh, appreciate you as always. Please let people know how they can follow you and find more of your work. Yeah, buddy. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler. Um, and I am on air every day, like Chris said, all the radios, uh, iHeart radio. radio. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I have my own show on ESPN Pittsburgh on 970 ESPN. I follow up Stan Saverin at 2 o'clock in the afternoons. You can get that 970 a.m. in your car and on the iHeart app, on the iHeart website as well. Just search ESPN Pittsburgh again. That's 2 o'clock Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then Tuesday, Thursday at noon on Steelers Nation Radio, I'm still doing the Steelers Blitz uh, for two hours every Tuesday and Thursday with former Stellars linebacker Arthur Motes. Absolutely. Thanks again to Wes for coming on. You guys know my name is Chris Carter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can also join the Locked On Steelers Facebook group where we converse every day on Steelers topics. You can also have join in on the show when we play games like Mock Draft Monday. Um, and uh, there's 1,200 over 1,200 other users. Just go on Facebook, search Locked On Steelers, ask to join the group. I'll add you as soon as possible. Um, and you can join myself, other other several other listeners, and uh, even some of the guests like Wes Euler who are in the group. Um, you can also, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to us. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and we're on radio.com now. We're doing all the things here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you really want to help us out, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. When you do that, it helps. Uh, you do that with a positive comment, a five-star review and a positive comment. It really helps out the show. And I will give you a shout-out if you do that, just like our friend Appalion. 13 who leaves a five-star review that says fantastic love this show makes me proud to bleed the black and yellow thanks so much apple line for your for your review if you want your shout out go on apple podcast right now leave me a five-star review with a positive comment i will read it on air thanks so much to everyone for listening we'll be back tomorrow with our with our normal friday guest jenna harner from channel 11 wpxi lots of great stuff to end the week there until then y'all be real Steelers fans